the One Two Football Podcast. The voices of tomorrow here today. Hello and welcome to the One Two Football Podcast. A bit different today, as you can tell. If you can see, Nathan's not here, and if you can hear, I'm not Nathan. Um, so it's just the two of us. It's me and Kieran today. Kieran, how are you feeling? How are you doing? It's a bit weird, just two of us, but you know, should be good. Yeah, it is a bit weird. At least I know that with the responses, no, we're not going to cut each other off. Um, so I guess that's a positive. Um, it's Euro season, um, so I am pretty good. You could be doing anything in the day, it gets to two o'clock and you're like, right, that's me done for the next 12 hours because you just know what you're going to do. So I am, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all right. You're saying throughout the day until you get two o'clock. Two o'clock, I'll wake up. I've literally woken up, have a shower, have breakfast and football's on TV. <laughs> I'm, doing, I'm doing all right. To be fair, I didn't plan on watching that much of the Euros. You know, I thought, you know what, summer, let's get out, do stuff. Uh, I completely lied. I've watched quite a lot of it. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, but I, I've enjoyed it. I've been, I have enjoyed it. Some games, it's been the flip. The games I thought were going to be really good have been the ones I've been disappointed with, but maybe it's because I expected too much. And the ones that I didn't expect anything have been quite enjoyable to watch. Um, so let's start. Obviously, what? where do you want to start? I say let's start. Where do you want to start? I mean, I guess we just go right to the kind of the beginning of the Euros, which was last Friday in the game between Turkey and Italy. And the fact that I am absolutely terrified of that Italian team. And I think based off of ignoring what happened the game yesterday or whenever this goes out Italy's second game they've probably been the team that have impressed me the most so I, I, I guess we and Turkey ironically probably been the team that disappointed me the most um, so I guess, I guess we start there with just what Roberto Mancini's done with the Italy team yeah, t- Turkey, before I go on to Italy you know, there's a lot to say about Italy but there's a lot to say about this Turkish team I'm pretty sure Nathan had them as his, you know, his underdog competition, you know, and we we saw a lot uh, prior to the competition with, you know, uh, right back, probably going to say his name on Selic or whatever, Selic, whatever it's called. Um, you know what I mean. And with like transfers to Arsenal or Man United or someone like that, but he's not had a good Euros. His price tag has got to be dropping massively. <laughs> he's been one of my biggest disappointments, really. I was really looking forward to seeing him, you know, if he's coming to the Premier League and it him and the rest of the team have been really disappointing. And you look at the Turkish team and it's a good side. Um, I'm not going to try and pronounce their names because, you know, I'm just going to... Got me to see that part. Yeah, um, you yeah. know, AC Milan's, uh, he plays, he's playing at Camel left wing for Turkey. Uh, uh, yeah, that's the one. I always say yeah. but then you always um, get that wrong because it's obviously... It's, it's, I think it depends where you're from and how you say it. Yilmaz up front though, guided Lille to the league and title with his goals. They've got a hell of a defensive pairing in Soyuncu and Demiral. So, I mean, there is there is a foundation there. And you've got um, Jokostlu who impressed for West Brom in the last part of the season. So, there are some good players in that team. It just seems that it's 11 individuals is what I've noticed. You know, I'm slightly moving forward to their most recent game, also in the Italy game. There just seems to be no organisation and cohesion with them as a team. And a lot of the time, when these kind of passes are being threaded through their defence, you've got one of their defenders three or four yards behind all the rest of them. It just seems like there's no real leader in that team, which is I think is quite strange because Demiral plays for Juventus. So 
he's playing at a high level of football. Siuncu has commanded that Leicester back four, back five before, and Yukosli was a very important cog in the West Brom machine in the last half of the season. Yilmaz up front, the captain, got that experience on his side. Yeah, it just looks like they're all lost sheep, if I'm honest, and there's no real cohesion defensively going forward in, in their transitions when they win the ball and lose the ball. So it's been really disappointing. I think the, the biggest surprise to many, and it's not much of a surprise anymore because we've seen it consistently over the couple of games, was how tired Turkey were so quickly in that mm-hmm. opening game. They, they had no legs to run. They were absolutely shattered. And uh, several teams have been tired. You know, we've seen, like, it's been hot everywhere. But they just, yeah, they just weren't at it. They didn't seem prepared. Like you said, they seemed like 11 individuals. And we'll come on to this a bit later, but I'm going to touch on it now. 11 individuals, I thought, also seemed like Portugal. Now, yeah, they won. And, you know, in the end, it was quite a good win. You know, what was it? 2-0. Um, but was it 3-0 in the end? Yeah, 3-0. Mm. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. 3-0. Um, but it's a convincing win. But for the majority of that game, they look like individuals, similar to the way Turkey looked. And, but, yeah, no, Turkey have been really disappointing. But can't take it away from Italy. No. I have a feeling they could get to the final. I'm very confident in this team. Even win it. You know, everyone's talking about France. And yeah, France, you know, they, they beat Germany. They played They played all right game. Not an amazing game, but a decent game. Um, and obviously you saw Mbappe's pace when he um, was running through. And that, that, I can't remember who it was against. I think it might be against Hummels. But the pace that he had just to accelerate and get it, it, it he's an amazing player. Um, and, mm. You know, everyone says it's going to be his tournament. And it really has been so far. You know, he's been a, an incredible player. And you just look at him and you think, Please don't go Liverpool. I doubt we will, but please don't <laughs> go Liverpool. No. But, um, but no, Italy, I, I really think they could give France a run for the money or any other team in this competition because right now, they, on the opposite hand, unlike Turkey, are playing like an absolute unit. You know, no one's better than anyone else. You know, they're all kind of... First game you could have looked at, you know, um, Immobile or Insigne or whatever. But now in the last game, I didn't watch it, but was it Locatelli that got the goals? Yeah, um, Locatelli. They have quality all over the pitch and I feel like the fact that they haven't got any out and out superstars necessarily means that all, they're all on the same you know level and it means that they can get on and play and you know everyone respects everyone at the same and I think that's showing that how they're playing and working as a team which is um we haven't seen in likes of Turkey or Portugal in my opinion. <laughs> the, the funny thing is is that was literally what I was going to say is that and you, you mentioned in France there and you look at some of the players in the French team and of course they're going to work as a team obviously there was the the issue with Mbappe and Giroud that, you know, as I'm guessing has been sold now. But if you think about the level of players in that team, Kante's just won the Champions League. Pogba, on his day, in a France shirt with Kante next to him, is unstoppable. Mbappe is the best youngster in the world currently and will be the best player, I imagine. Benzema is just a goal machine. Um, the depth that they have all over the pitch, the centre-backs that have, have missed out. And I, I tried to get my flatmate to name the centre-back pair in France deployed against Germany. And he named about four centre-backs before actually naming the two that started. So, I mean, that just goes to show how much quality and depth they have. But you compare that to Italy, there's no one who really stands out. You've got the front three in Insigne, Mobile and Berardi, who are all just very good players and they work together really well. Chiellini in defence as well. Spinazzola at left-back has really impressed me um, from someone who I didn't know too much about. But the thing that really has kind of made me think, my God, this team ha- really have something, is that midfield three. Jorginho, Locatelli um, and Barrett. Oh, my God, Barella. It's 
what can I say? It's, it's so wet, perfectly balanced. Um, they all complement each other so well. They're all very calm on the ball. They know each of their roles and what they're doing each time. They don't panic on the ball. They're very calm in possession. And that's without Marco Verratti, who I think is either injured or has coat. I know he's missed the first couple of games, but if you think about it like that, that's someone who's kind of a household name and you'd think he would get into that midfield. But judging off this, he, he doesn't come close. Locatelli was in very good against uh, Switzerland and his two goals were very good as well. Um, Jorginho, I have to be honest, kind of, I've never really rated him that highly. Um, but since Tuchel's come in and in this Italian team, he just... He just exudes calmness. And he, you just need a player like that to just put his foot on the ball, look up, speak to his teammates. And they found that balance really well. And they're, they're already through to the, the last 16. Um, and, and you could argue they've, they've done it with ease, really. Switzerland and Turkey just have not troubled them at all. Um, and I, and I, I would like to see them against the better team. I'm not quite sure their path into the, the round of 16 if they do... I imagine finishes group winners, but man, I will drop everything to watch this Italy team play against you know a top top national team because then we can really see what they're made of. But I mean, they have been incredible so far, um, and that was that was well that was the first game, um, and since then no one's really Belgium. We're always gonna have their moments um, when you've got someone like Lukaku up front who's just a goal scorer. Um, a few shock results in there as well, which I'm, I'm sure we'll get to. But in terms of the other teams in, in Group A, hey, what, what have your thoughts been about Switzerland and Wales and how they've done? Um, just like you said, you weren't sure. They, they go against Group C, whoever tops that. So Netherlands, Austria, um, Ukraine, maybe. You know, if that's the group that I think Italy, if they go through, get drawn against, I think. I could be wrong, but I think that's right. Um, the rest of it. Turkey, like we said, have been this bit disappointing. Wales, I didn't watch the game yesterday. Um, I've said I was out, um, so I didn't get to see it. But in the first game, what a weird opening game for Wales, in my opinion. Came out the blocks, 15 minutes, great football, great intensity. You looked at this team and you thought, you know what, they're here to prove a point. They want to carry on how they did in the last one. And then collapse. Absolutely dreadful, in my opinion. They, you know, they didn't do it. And yeah, okay, they got a draw. I think it was what one-one um, in the end. But yeah, they weren't great. I didn't watch the game yesterday. I know they won two-nil. Um, was it? Um, yeah, they 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 squandered a lot of chances in that game, but they they quite comfortably dominated. I was going to say I saw Bell Bell missed a penalty, but they still won two-nil. Yeah. I mean, it looks like they did better. Um, although I say that they were shocking I've actually got some I've got three players um, down that have thing of shocked me um, and they're all from this group actually so for Wales I've got Warding goal I thought in the first game mm. he was amazing very oh very good he did he kept them in I can't judge like when I'm saying these two players um, two of them are from Wales I can't go off yesterday's game but um, or for us yesterday um, but I can go off the first one Warding goal was incredible he kept them in it um, and you know what I, who who's he at currently is he at Leicester? I think he's the Leicester backup keeper. Yeah, he's been incredible. And obviously, he's not going to go ahead of Schmeichel. But I mean, if anyone's looking for a good goalie, you know, maybe, you know, yeah. getting promoted or championship, or whatever. But he's been phenomenal in that first game. And then Daniel James, Man United fan, not always his biggest fan, you know. And you can say, oh, you're Man United fan, that's why I pick him. Man United fans don't necessarily love him, okay? He's okay. He's not Man United quality. You're not going to win the league with Daniel James starting out wide. 
But if he plays every game like he did before he got subbed off, and angrily so when he got subbed off because he was having a good game like he did when he in the opening game, in a Wales team which I thought was poor, Ward and Daniel James really stood out, um, and I thought they did really well. And Daniel James, you know. He looked like a complete different player. I've seen him play for Man United and I've not seen him play like that since probably his opening game against Chelsea uh, when he scored his goal. Um, he played really, really well and the commentators were all ranting and raving about him and I was shocked, just like everyone else's, I think, when he got subbed off. But yeah, he, he looked really good and um, I'm glad to see that Man United players doing really well. But, you know, whether or not he brings it back to Old Trafford, who knows? But for Wales, I think he's going to be massive um, for them in this Euros. Like I said, can't judge what he was like um, in the game yesterday. I assume he started. He should have done, by the way, that he... Um, played in the first game that he's really stood out to me as well so Ward and Daniel James two people that I thought in a game of poor that was poor from Wales did really really well mm, yes I was going to say about Dan James I think the way that Wales set up it suits his just direct running yeah it's that you know I can sort of football yeah with a break behind him to just sprint into you've got Kiefer Moore in the box who's a, a lethal target man as he showed in the Switzerland game with his very good header so it suits him down to a team, really. He can do the things that he's good at. Not necessarily the best um, in terms of in front of goal. Um, minus, obviously, the spell of games he had at the start of the season when he joined, when he, he just couldn't stop scoring. But what he is good at with the ball at his feet and the space in front of him. And that's exactly what he's been allowed to do here. Um, kind of like so, England, to be honest, in the open game. You know, getting the ball down, yeah. just running at the defence, terrifying them and making them commit fouls in order to get set pieces. And obviously, with Kiefer Moore, if Wells get a set piece, he's, he's a tall bloke, you know, he's going to get his head on it and it's going to create chances. So, it does, like you said, he, he works perfectly in that system. Um, mm. He's had a good tournament so far. It's, it's always going to cause problems, things like that, I think. And in terms of Group A, Switzerland were the better team against Wales which leads me to believe that they'll, they will get something against Turkey and I, I imagine that Wales will finish third in the group but I think they will have enough points to finish as one of the third best placed teams in that I think you can have four from the six groups so only two miss out and I'd imagine there's a lot of groups where there's maybe two worst teams who might only get one or two points maybe three Wales already have four um, they've got to play Italy which is a difficult task, to say the least, by the way they've been playing. I think um, but I, I think four points is probably enough to get them through to the round of 16. Switzerland um, is the, the other person that's really, I thought, did really well. Like I said, I didn't watch it yesterday. But um, in the first game I saw, Mbolo. He was massive. He, he was meant to be the next big thing. You know, everyone was saying how he's going to be great. I think it was in the last Euros that he kind of came onto the scene a bit. Um, could be wrong with that, or World Cup, one of them. Um, and then, you know, he kind of just... Didn't really, nothing really happened, nothing really materialised. It kind of, not done badly, but it didn't get the big, you know, money move and that sort of progression that many uh, thought he would do. But in the first game for Switzerland, you know, um, I thought he was amazing. I thought he was great. Um, and yeah, he was just a constant threat. And Mbolo, someone I'm going to really keep an eye out um, if Switzerland go through. I think he's going to be, you know, one of the main assets and one of the big players in that team because he was really good in that opening game. Mm, yeah, to, to move on to kind of, the other groups in, in Group B, I mean, I think it's it's quite difficult to not mention what happened to Christian Eriksen in the Denmark-Finland game, um, which kind of overshadowed everything um, in terms of football. Um, and it just kind of allowed, it kind of gave everyone that opportunity to take a step back and think this, you know, football is is a game that everyone loves, but in that scenario and what we saw and, and what the Denmark 
team in, injured, um, it, it ails in comparison. Um, so I think I think we can both say we're happy to see that Christian Eriksen is okay. Um, in, in terms of that group, it was kind of difficult to watch football for the rest of the night. Um, but I think one player you can always put a smile on your face is Romelu Lukaku, just in that he's a he's a goal scorer and dedicated his first goal to Eriksen, his inter-teammate. But when you've got someone like that up front, you've got to be one of the favourites. Yeah, I think I think Belgium done really well. Um, I think it was Nathan. Um, he's ill. He's ill today, but he's not here. So, but I think it was him that Tyrone said Belgium have players which you know turn up on the big occasions. I think it was Carrasco. Um, he said mm. was one of the players, and he's right. You know, he doesn't necessarily. He's not the most consistent former for club level, I don't think. But for Belgium, he's always, you know, at the top of his game and he's always playing really well. And with that, him and Lukaku, you know, going forward, they're a threat. And if I can see, I think it could be Belgium and Italy maybe in a quarterfinal. I think maybe that's the way that it could lead to. I could be wrong. It'll be a hell of a game. It'll be a really good game, yeah. I think Italy would win, personally. I think Italy are better most like all over the pitch but it'll be a great game you know Lukaku uh, proper gentleman proper player when he uh, dedicated it to Christian Eriksen I just want to say that one of the first words you said when talking about that what you saw I just want to highlight what we yeah. saw was dreadful the uh, I, I think that the I know it wasn't the BBC that were the cameras but they still could have cut it sooner than they did and I think showing the wife grieving you know well not grieving but sad showing the you know the resuscitation showing his face I think it was just disrespectful I'm not going to go into it anymore but I just absolutely. Think it was absolutely horrible but um, yeah no it's um I would say one of the easier groups for Belgium. I think they've got a fairly mm. easy draw. You know, Russia are an OK team. You know, they did quite well when it was the home World Cup for them. Uh, Finland, Denmark, you know, nothing nothing crazy. So, we want to move on. Group C, actually live right now as we talk. Mm. Uh, yeah. A lot of goals in these in these games. Yeah. I mean, so let's start with Netherlands. They're top of the um, the groups now. Their, their game was probably one of the but, more interesting ones yeah. of the competition so far. What was that? They didn't half make it difficult for themselves. Yeah, it's that's a weird team for me. It's a team that's got mm-hmm. a lot of talent and maybe this is a bit too soon for them. Uh, maybe next year World Cup, maybe the Euros after that. But I think there's definitely promise there with that team. You know, they have quite a young team. Um, but with certain players, you know, Ginny Wijnaldum just signed um, PSG. What a player for them. You know, he, he controlled the game. And in a game that, you know, they did make it hard for themselves, it would have been a lot harder if it wasn't for him in the centre of the park. You know, he's a different player, different breed of player than what he was playing for Liverpool. You know, more of a defensive player for Liverpool. But when he comes on for Netherlands, he's he's that attacking sort of player. And I watched highlights, actually, when he was at Newcastle. And I think he scored four goals against Norwich. Um, mm. One game. And I, I never knew that he had... I can't, couldn't remember this, you know, sort of goal-scoring player that he is. But clearly Liverpool, you know, preferred him more defensive thing but when you unleash him he shows you exactly what he does and I'm pretty sure it was that he scored the first goal was it um, he did, yeah. that game. and um, yeah great finish and a great player and you know I think he's going to be key if Netherlands want to do well I think that's just a testament to how good of a footballer he is is in that he can play so well in a role that isn't his preference um, and as soon as you allow him to kind of get forward he's, he's got a ridiculous amount of goals for the Netherlands um, and he really leads that team by example. But someone I wanted to talk about as well, who kind of not necessarily caught me off guard, but Denzel Dumfries from from PSV. Oh my, I've not seen an engine like that down the right-hand side in some time. He 
he was everywhere and he got the winning goal as well. Um, I don't know what they've been feeding him at PSV, but oh my God, I will have some because if it means I can have that level of stamina over 90 minutes, it, it, it's incredible. Um, he was he was a, a player who very impressed me, um, similar to Bout Weghorst up front. Just a proper target, man. He impressed um, me. You have to say he did. Yeah, I think playing off Memphis Depay, who's more of that skillful, um, technical player, a bit quicker. It's a p- partnership that's quite lethal. Um, and, and I saw a lot of complaints that Frank De Boer was playing a back three, um, and that Moore wanted that the team to be unleashed. I thought, you know, as as things go, they probably couldn't have been more unleashed. They were very attack-minded first the ball. Um, if anything, it seemed more defensively that they were a tad frail in the first half. They kind of didn't have full control of the game, but then they they grasped that at the early second half, and then obviously the, the collapse in within about five ten minutes, allowing Ukraine back into the game. So if anything, it's maybe defensively where you kind of have, have, have to ask the questions um, about the Netherlands. Um, on Dumfries, uh, first of all, he he has impressed. Yeah, he's had a great campaign. Um, he's a player that I thought would have got a transfer, you know, to Premier League maybe a bit sooner. Um, I mean, he hasn't got a transfer, so when I say a bit sooner, I expected to happen at some point or to a bigger mm-hmm. team. Um, but yeah, no, he has been good. I think you know, if I, I could be wrong in saying this, but I'm pretty sure he should have. He squandered a couple chances before he did mm. get his goal. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, his work rate's great. His work rate kind of reminded me of um, you know Prime Bruno uh, when he's fit. And Man United, you know, just getting up and back and doing everything for the team. So he's been great. But on the opposite side of players that were really well for Neverland, someone that disappointed me a bit. And someone that, you know, you hear a lot of now since he left Man United that he's been really well, you know, linked with Barcelona. Depay, he, he had a bit of a quiet game, in my opinion. You know, he had a lot of touches on the ball, but he didn't really need to be that threat that, you know, he's sort of been at Lyon and, you know, he, he, it was the Depay that I used to see at Manchester United, you know, kind of just always below what you expect of him. And I thought he'd do really well in this tournament. And so far, I you know, he's not really lived up to that expectation, in my opinion. Mm, yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, in terms of their opponents, who for us are playing right, right now, um, kind of uh, in surprising people in kind of how good they are going forward. People like Miranchuk and, and Yarmolenko have really stood out to me. I think Yarmolenko in particular because I knew I knew how good he was. I know he's a top top quality player. He's just struggled with injuries, but it, it seems whenever he plays or puts on the Ukrainian shirt, he's he's just a fantastic player. Um, and I think it's something like forty two goals in ninety appearances for Ukraine which you know no disrespect to Ukraine it's it's not your, your top 15-20 national teams in the world so he has to work quite hard for those goals and I think he's only five or six off Shevchenko which is just a testament to how good he's been and I, I think he'll be a, a big player for them if they have to get far in this tournament and very possibly they could replace Turkey almost as everyone's dark horses um, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to their game against Austria um, in the third match day, as I imagine that will be the game that decides who finishes second. Um, of course, North Macedonia is a great fairy tale story, and, and to be fair, from what I've seen, they're, they're not a bad team. It's just they, they sometimes lack that experience in in major tournaments, which they would, as this is their first one. Um, but you, you've got players like Pandev and Alioski who are known to a lot of people, um, and it's been great to see them here. But I just think that, you know, with what happened in the first game against Austria and what's happening now, they've got to go up against the Netherlands team who look very good going forward. I, I don't see them keeping them out um, and it, it could be a short stint in, in the Euros for them. But, I mean, what a story that is, though. 
Yeah, I don't think I've watched North Macedonia yet, but um, Yarmolenko, yeah, he's been really well. I think he kind of thrives off of that, you know, the spotlight on him in this Ukraine team because he's sort of the leading man. If he doesn't perform, you know, it doesn't really, uh, the team won't perform. So I think he's like, not many players thrive under that pressure, but I think he's someone that's proven that he does. He likes that sort of being the main man in the spotlight. Um, and talking of, um, you know, uh, Weghorst or whatever he was called up from for Netherlands, um, I think he could be quite a good signing for West Ham, personally. You know, they're looking for someone to replace Hauler. I think he could be a sort of good target man for them, but, you know, I think that could be an interesting deal. But I yeah. think I, I do think he I think he will get a transfer if he continues at this rate. You know, I think he's been quite successful in this tournament. But group two, um, where do we start? Do you want to start with England? I've got to start with England, haven't we? Can do, I guess. <laughs> I mean... I mean, what more there is, is there to say other than it's coming home? Um, I don't believe that, but for the sake of this podcast, I'll cut that out and I'll say, yes, it's coming home. <laughs> um, uh, I will never, ever say a bad word about Calvin Phillips ever again um, because he was incredible. I don't think you ever did uh, say a bad word about him. I think it was me. Say, I didn't even include him on my squad to go. No, I just... I've never... This is... Calvin Phillips is our Vinalden. <laughs> he really is, because he plays that deep-lying role for Leeds, and he does it very well, to be fair. And it's just in an England shirt next to Declan Rice, they just step on each other's toes, and they're very similar types of players, so it just doesn't really fit. But And when I saw Rice and Phillips alongside each other, I thought, oh, here we go again. But... I mean, that can be further from the truth. Rice was kind of marshalling the back four, sitting deep. But Calvin Phillips, if you saw his heat map, I'd imagine he touched every blade of grass at Wembley, genuinely, because the man the man was everywhere. And who'd have known he'd have, you know, an eye for a forward pass like the one he found to Sterling. The, the volley that he had from the edge of the box against um, Croatia was incredible. And you can say what you want, that it was 1-0. But, I mean, Croatia really didn't, threaten that much and I, I, I think it could have been three or four I mean look at Foden's chance early on where he hit the post Kane's chance straight after Sterling's goal and I mean this England team if it stays the way it is it's 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 they're a threat and that's with you know someone like Jack Grealish on the bench who, who didn't get on so I mean I don't want to big up our chances but I mean I would be disappointed if we didn't get quite far in this tournament yeah, uh, firstly, Calvin Phillips is a man unleashed. He looks reborn um, and he looks, you know, saying about Yamlenko thriving off of the spotlight. I mean, not much spotlight was on him, but it sure will be now. So he better be with someone that keeps up because it was a great, great game. And I just want to apologise, OK, Phillips, I didn't include you in my team. I've never really rated you that much. But right now, you're a god, so I love you. Um, so <laughs> uh, so uh, I hope you good. Uh, hope it continues. But yet, a lot of people... Um, we're ranting a raven about the England game and I've, I've said it before and I'll say it again I didn't think it was necessarily the, the um, it was a good start I'm not going to say it wasn't a good start it was it was probably the, one of the better starts that we could have asked for performance wise I have got concerns um, but then again you win and you're playing badly it's a sign of a good team so you know you mm. can't complain too much but yeah I, I've spoken to a few people and a lot of people thought it was a great game and a great performance but personally I, I thought a bit was lacking I thought Carl Walker was absolutely shocking in the first half. Um, he pulled it back in the second half, to be fair to him. But first half, he was shocking. He gave the ball away. Nearly sent Croatia through on goal, um, I think, like twice. So, he had an absolute mare. Sterling, credit credit to him. Yeah, he got the goal. Well done, him. Um, 
And I think it was his first competitive goal in an England shirt. They were saying all about these stats, about how he scores really often. And they were all in friendlies, I think. So um, I think his first major tournament goal. Yeah. Um, so well done to him. I thought, you know, at halftime, we were saying how he's doing well. And I was like, his pace is what's making him look good. So maybe Sancho, maybe Rashford could have done the same thing, you know, if that page one down the wing, but he proved to be, you know, he proved why the manager picked him. He got the goal, so can't argue with that. Someone that disappointed me was, was Harry Kane a bit. And I think it's because, no disrespect to Spurs, but he's got two... He carried over the same sort of system as he does at Spurs. He was coming too deep for me. I never want to see a striker, especially not of his quality, that deep. At one point, I'm pretty sure it was just a throw-in. And, and um, I was watching with my mate, and my mate turned around and went, Harry Kane just won that ball on the halfway line from a throw-in. And I was like, what the hell is he doing there? If we want a break, we need our guy in that box. And he's there, and he's been doing it for Spurs because, you know, it's not been a great season for him. And fair play to him, he got assists from doing it. But in that England shirt, with the likes of Foden, the likes of Mount, with Declan Rice, with Phillips behind him, we have ball winners, we have passers. Stay up the pitch. Stay up there, please, Kane, because it was a shocking game, and personally for him, not the best of starts. Um, I really thought he would, would have scored. Um, and when I saw him playing poorly, I, I thought we might not break down the team. But, you know, like I said, if we're winning and we're playing poorly, you can't complain too much. But no, Kane, someone that I was a bit, you know, I think he needs to up it. I thought it was a really poor start for him, same with Carl Walker. But, you know, I think we are in a good chance. I think the fact that that's the hardest, I'd say, game in the group. Um, Scotland won't be easy tomorrow. I mean, no matter how, you know, Scotland performs so far, it's Scotland versus England. It's going to be that competitiveness. So, But you would hope that, you know, it's going to be, I think it's at Wembley, isn't it? Um, yes. So, you know, come into our uh, toy, um, home, blah, 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 home words, soil. Words. Yep, words. Home soil, you would hope England would be up it and, you know, can go out there and, and smash Scotland. But I think it's going to be a tricky game. But, no, England, yeah, I think they definitely have the ability whether or not they have the consistency to get far is another question. I'm not going to get too excited. I'm, I'm too used to being disappointed, being a Man United fan as well. So I'm going to keep it on a bit of a low key. But no, a great bunch of players, great first result, not a great performance in my mind. But, you know, it's a good platform to build off of. Mm, yeah, I think, it, I think it was a good start against, you know, the best team, arguably, in the group with us. Um, just on Kane, like you say, yeah, he doesn't need to do those kind of things. But if you can have your uh, probably best player or up there with one of your best players have a poor game and you still win, I think that just shows how many quality players you have. You know, because Foden was quite quiet. Mason Mount, I mean, I don't think Mason Mount will ever have a bad game, to be honest, because his work rate off the ball was incredible. Um, but he didn't really, he didn't do anything special as such. You know, but. People like Sterling, Mings, Pickford, Phillips were all very good. Mings and and bad you, Sorry? Mings had a great game. Mm. Everyone was doubting him and, and we were doubting him whether or not he should have started. I thought Conor Cody should have started, but fair play to him. You know, he really did uh, turn up on the occasion when it mattered the most. And yeah, I think he's... If, we, if he can stay that consistent, then, you know, I'm not that nervous with Maguire missing out, but I think he may be back tomorrow. Yeah, it looks looks as though he is. But I, if I'm Southgate, I, I'm not sure if I change too much. You know, I, I feel like, I mean, it could be a game for Grealish, but there's no doubt Scotland are probably going to set up a bit differently to Croatia. I think for a start, they do play a back five um, to allow them to play both Robertson and Tierney. But I, as I understand, the latter is touch and go to play. Um, so that could be a big miss for them. But 
I mean, we haven't talked about the team who have already beaten Scotland um, in the Czech Republic on level on points with England. We'll have to play them on in the final match day. And, you know, it, Scotland had their chances, but I mean, what they lacked was someone who could put the ball in the back of the net, which, funnily enough, was exactly what the Czech Republic had in Patrick Schick. And, I mean, his first goal was a typical striker's goal. And his second goal, I mean... That's not was, a typical goal, that. That is not a typical was, goal. <laughs> I mean, what, what do you even say? The, the ability to pull that off and, and the quick-wittedness as well, because he had about two or three seconds to think there and go for it. And you don't see many of those goals. And when you do see them, they tend to be scored by world-class players. I remember Harry Kane doing one against Juventus in a pre-season tour. But if you watch the goal go in from behind the goal, the curve he's able to get on it, and it just dips before it hits the crossbar. It's an incredible goal. And I mean, he could be someone to watch out for. And, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Czech Republic really gave Croatia a game because they didn't really show all that against us. I mean, I imagine they'll play slightly differently and set up slightly differently. But, I mean, Kovacic and Rebic, Perisic had a few chances, but, I mean, they were squandered. Um None of them really stood out to me, whereas Czech Republic, you know, you've got Premier League players in there like Suchek and Kufal who are, are very good. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see them get out of the group, possibly even as second. I think, no, I was about to say that. I think they'll come second. I think I, when I looked at the group, I thought they'd be down the bottom, to be honest. I thought they would finish mm. dead bottom, uh, depending on how Scotland turned up. But they look great. Um, I think they're definitely going to come second. If not, they're definitely going to go through as one of the best um, third teams. They've already got three points. Um, so yeah. that's comfortably going to be one of the best third teams you'd imagine. Um, but yeah, uh, that goal, what, what can you say? It's... In a way, the only goal I can really think that I've seen similar to it, I'm not going to compare it to the Cavani goal towards the end of the season because it was a lot closer. Um, I'd say maybe Wayne Rooney's. Um, I, can't, I can't remember who it was against. On the, like, by was the it, uh, Everton or for United? I think it, uh, when he was scoring for United. Uh, it was against West Ham. Yeah, when he was like sort of on the edge of the halfway line, he turned and he got it and it was from a similar sort of position. But, you know, the, the curl, when you look at it, when I first watched it, I thought, great goal, you know, it just kind of hit it and it just went forward and it dipped over it. But no, the curl is, is, it, it was it was incredible. The the whip that it went and, you know, I don't know if he meant it to have that much curl on, but if he did, what a finish, what a player. And, and I think he's still young, to be honest. I think he still might be like 22, 24. Um, yeah. That's a great, great career. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it's another player. No, I think... This tournament, it's sort of, you know, strikers are really, really, not necessarily the big strikers, but the sort of the lesser known strikers are quite turning up, to be honest. We've we mentioned Netherlands and now, and now him. So, yeah, it's uh, one to keep an eye on. And I think he's going to be someone to really steal the show this Euros. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's an interesting group, the England one, to be honest. You know, there's teams not forming the way you thought. Croatia, I thought, were going to turn up. Scotland haven't really turned up. But, you know, England will have a tough game when they come against Czech Republic. Um, I mm. think so. But yeah, going down to Group E, um, Slovakia are top. Slovakia I are top. I could, like leave a few words there for me to then cut in because I was going to have a like a I had a really good like segue, and I was going to say speaking of an interesting group because I mean this one blown wide open. It, it, it is crazy, and I just want to say, I'm Skrinja was my backup man for centre back, and you know, he, yeah. he, he went and scored, so good on him, good on him. But talking about disappointing teams, Spain, no, no one had massive expectations going into this, similar to um, 
what team did I say? Uh, similar to Netherlands, with it being young, with it being a team for the future, yeah. indefinitely are a team to keep an eye out. Maybe next year, but maybe that'll be a step too soon as well. But mm. it's a great team, and you watched it, and the passing was good, you know, but they just couldn't finish. Morata, yes, okay, he missed a sitter. He missed several opportunities, to be honest. The whole entire Spanish team did, but his, his work rate, I thought, was really good. Um, but that said... I just said about Harry Kane's work great, and that's not what I want to see in a striker. So I, I have to uh, be consistent. And yeah. unless at the end of the day, he's got to put the ball in the back of the net. That one on one, I think it was. You would have expected him to score mm. nine times out of ten. And Spain just needs someone to get get a goal. And I think they'd be ludicrous not to start Gerard Moreno, to be honest, in their next game. You know, um, or give Morata yeah. maybe another chance. Chance, but Moreno is a proven goal scorer. Um, he did a lot, but yeah, they're really lacking that. You know, that threat up, not necessarily threat up front, but that lethality. Um, up front um, they need to get goals they're, they're dominating all these games or well, this game in particular but nothing's really going their way uh, and it's a Sweden team really that doesn't have too many stars in there but I mean obviously Lindelof in, in defence had a, a big part in keeping a clean sheet there but I mean arguably kind of thinking back to the game some of the better chances in the game fell Sweden's way and it was mostly down to Alexander Isak who was he was great. I mean, the feet we all, literally, the minute he was subbed off, all of us in our group chat were like, why are Sweden taking him off? He has been there. He's probably been the best player on the pitch. Another another uh, player, I just turned around and said, oh, this is a chance for strikers, this tournament. And I mm. completely forgot about him until you just said that. But what a player he is. He's got, you know, the quick feet, the agility, the speed. He is a modern day sort of, you know, striker. And he could probably play it wide as well, I imagine, with the speed on him. But, um... Yeah, what a player. Uh, and fair, Sweden, they, they, I thought they controlled the game. You know, they, they didn't have much of the possession, but I feel like they knew exactly what their game plan was and they held mm. their defensive line quite well. And Yara came around, had that opportunity, so it was a bit poor defending there. But they weren't the easiest team to break down. And I think that was proven. But Spain, like we said, can't break a team down. But I'm pretty sure they set a new record. I think it was like the most passes in the first half or something they did in that game. Probably. I, I can remember rightly or something like that because they did so many passes. But yeah, they're going to struggle. But... But no, um, him up front is a great player and another one to keep an eye on with many other strikers, young strikers in this competition. Mm. And arguably, they've probably played the, on paper the best team in the group and they've come away with a point. Yeah. Um, but now it's, you, you'd probably put them down to beat Slovakia, but Slovakia with that momentum of three points against a Poland team, you probably would have had them to lose to. I mean, it's, it's blown it you know, wide open. I, I, it's going to be very interesting to see who actually plays each other next. Yeah, so the next match day for this group is Sweden-Slovakia and then therefore it be Spain-Poland. So, I mean, that is really must-win for every team but Slovakia, which is if it, kind of crazy. I suppose actually it kind of is must-win or at least a point for Slovakia is they will have to play Spain. But I could see that group being really close with all teams possibly fighting out. And the ironic thing is, is I could see this group not having one of the third place teams, but the team that go through first and second on like four or five points, just because they're all going to, I think, take points off each other, judging by the first set of fixtures they had. So, I mean, you know, I think everyone was looking at Group A with Italy and Turkey and Wales and Switzerland as being quite a competitive group. Obviously, you keep an eye on England's group and how they'll do. Group F, of course, which we'll come to. But, I mean, Group E has kind of shocked everyone. Same with... um. I believe Group 
Sea, which is the the Austria, North Macedonia, Netherlands, Ukraine. Not necessarily in terms of shock, but in terms of entertaining football. There's been plenty of goals in those games. So it's I mean, the groups won three points in that. Mm, the groups that maybe you were considering to not be the best have been pretty good. A lot could change before this comes out um, tomorrow because obviously getting <laughs> oh, played, but it would be our luck. <laughs> it would be. But if I'm a Spain fan, I'm being a bit worried. I'm being a bit, you know. Yeah. A bit concerned here because, you know, Slovakia are already on three points. It's a great amount of points to be on already. And Spain only on one. And they've got to play Slovakia. They've got to play Poland, you know. It, it's a lot of easy. No, tricky games for them. And so, unless they can start finding that goal scorer, scorer for them, they, they could be in trouble here. Um, so, yeah, it could be bad for them. But moving on to Group F. What a group. And... Except for everyone, except Hungary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hung- Hungary, I want to start with Hungary and how they were so hard done by. I mean, oh. 3-0 loss. And I, I think this is the right game I'm thinking of. When one up technically before it was rolled yeah. out and I went, oh my God. And I saw them yeah. score and I was like, they're going to win this. And then I literally wrote afterwards, I'm pretty sure I put in the group, um, group. I said, if I see one team scoring, it's Hungary. And no doubt, 30 seconds later... Portugal um, got a penalty and I was just there like unbelievable it was just so unlucky but Portugal really disappointed me Jota especially Um, I thought he was all over the place he seemed like a a child you know too eager there is such thing as too eager and uh, he was the epitome of that in that game Ronaldo was fuming out I saw actually um, I don't know if it I probably was taken out of you know context but Jota was walking down the um, walking out for the second half, and Ronaldo turned around, saw him, and shook his head at him because he was quite clearly disappointed with oh, uh, the, the fact he didn't pass it to him, so he was through. And then I'm pretty sure he did it again. He could have laid it off to Bruno, and he tried to swivel. And the commentator was saying, "No, if you're in that position, strike yeah. think you're going to try it." But you know, yeah. In hindsight, it's easy to say you could turn around, and pass it, but you know, maybe he could did the right decision. But yeah, I think he was just too eager to wanting to, you know, prove himself and get a goal. And I think it just backfired on him. I'm not sure if he will start in the next game, personally. I think maybe, you know, Felix will or someone like that, or Silva, I'm not sure, but... I, I can't blame Jota, because everything he touched for Liverpool turned to goals. He did, it uh, is, yeah. So, I, I, I understand why, obviously, he, he's doing that. But, yeah, you do have to question, because there was a few occasions where... Um, he, he would probably choose the wrong option. But I think it's Portugal not necessarily playing with a striker. It was very much Jota was there as a false kind of nine. Mm. Um, so I wonder how kind of Jao Felix, someone who could probably slot into that role, whereas Silva's a bit more of a, a proper number nine. So, I, I mean, Portugal really ha- probably had the most pressure on them in that this is the game they have to win. In that, you know, we haven't even talked about two of the heaviest hitters in the competition. Um, who they've now got to play. Um, but, I mean, Ronaldo, 80 minutes of not a lot, missed a very good chance, comes up with the all-important penalty as well and then scores a very, very, just a, a Ronaldo kind of goal. It was, um, I just want to say, it was great passing for that, for that, I think it was, yeah. well, it was, it was great passing and um, a great, a great goal, to be honest, after what was a pretty poor performance bomb that, uh, from them. But, we haven't mentioned managers yet, and we—I can remember messaging you and saying, "What is this Portuguese manager doing? Why has he made these changes?" And fair play to him. 
I feel like he got them pretty spot on. You know, Silva scored, Renato Sanchez came on, and I'm pretty sure he set up the goal, the third goal. It, yeah. it, it seemed like confusing changes and but something that went really well. That was an interesting tactic in that I don't understand why he played two very defensive-minded midfielders from the start in William Carvalho and Danilo Pereira. And I think both of them at times have had to play as a centre-back this season. So you, you do have to wonder against a team like Hungary why he would do that. I mean, one possible reason is you allow that front four um, to not necessarily come back as much. And the full-backs in Guerrero and Semedo, who are very attack-minded, it allows them to, to sprint forward. But, I mean, I look at the centre-back part pairing of Pepe and Diaz and I think... I, I think I'll be all right with one DM. You get someone further forward. So I'm actually really excited to see how Portugal decide to line up against France and Germany because you'd imagine that they'll either try and match them man for man or kind of playing those two defensive minor midfielders will make a lot more sense against a team which will cause you a lot more problems. I don't feel like... I was about to say, if you're going to do that sort of defensive mentality, surely you do that against someone like France. But to be honest... French, the French can score from all over the pitch. You don't really want to set, sit back and let them attack you because they, they can definitely have the ability to score from outside the box. So it, it will be interesting to see what Portugal do. But to be fair to Hungary, I can't remember his name. And if I did, I'd probably ruin it. Tall guy. I think he plays in the French league. Um, it was a captain all over the pitch. And, you know, what a player, in my opinion. I think he only scored one goal all season, but it looked like he should have been scoring loads more because he had a really good game, in my opinion. The up front. Yeah, they're big strike. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I know who you mean. He was incre- he was very good. Um, good. I know how to spell it. I think uh, it's like, sh- yeah, get it because he was kind of deserves some recognition. Um, but also as well, while you're trying to find that with Lee Auburn in defence, you know he gave away the penalty, but before that he was an absolute maverick. Um, he was blocking everything and getting out to shots and stuff. And if yeah, see, we we've shown it there, so we're not going to try and pronounce it. But he was. He was in this kind of game. He was everything you wanted. He was getting those free kicks in and around, you know, the the middle of the of their half and winning the ball high up if he needed to. And you know, Hungary had had some chances as well. And like you said, they they technically went one nil up. So their game plan was perfect, really, until they got very unlucky because the goal was was deflected. So I mean, I think if that doesn't go in, they've at least got a point. The last 10 minutes of the game went exactly how I thought the whole 90 minutes would go, to be honest. Uh, Hungary, mm. they, they absolutely collapsed and Portugal sort of took advantage of that. But for anyone that is listening and didn't see, the, I think the first name of that guy was Adam. So if you want to go on their team, yeah. let's look at their, their striker, Adam. By that name. Um, but let's move on to, to France and Germany. And I just want to say a player, we named a lot of players earlier. You named Kante, you named Pogba, we named Mbappe. Griezmann really stood out to me, to be honest. His work, mm. you know, his, his challenge. I can remember he got back and uh, did a slide ch- uh, challenge and, you know, won the ball. And so on that, at times, has been questioned at Barcelona. You know, he's not necessarily been the player that everyone expected of him. He has moments of brilliance and moments of, of not so much so. Um, but he had a great game, uh, in my opinion. But... I feel like everyone plays well for France. Even if you're bad for your club, like Pogba does, he shines and he sparkles next to Kante. I don't think they've lost with that pairing midfield in 28 games or something. Yeah, it's something ridiculous. It's crazy, but I thought I thought they might have scored more. Um, and I think it was it was one nil. They did actually. They scored a lot more, and they all just kept getting cancelled <laughs> out. To be honest, um, but. 
But yeah, I want to start off with the man in the tournament over everyone thinks we're the man tournament. Mbappe, you know, he, he he thought he got on the score sheet. He celebrated like he did. He didn't. It was ruled out like many other goals in that game. Um, but what a player. Um, yeah. there's, there's, there's not a superlative to describe that man. In my he, mind, in my mind, he is um, he's going to be hell of a lot more when he comes to the age of Ronaldo and Messi than they already are. And that's a big statement because for his mm. age, he is light years above what I would say Ronaldo was at his age, at that age. You know, he was coming through at Man United, uh, I think at that age. And, you know, Mbappe is, is already one of the, probably the third best player in the world, maybe. I'd say he's above Neymar. And then I don't know who else you'd put above him. You know, Haaland, I don't think he's on the same level as, as Mbappe. You've got Messi and Ronaldo above him. But to say at that young age, what is he, 22, 21? Something like that. I'm I mean, I'd be absolutely terrifying that he broke onto the scene when he was 17. Um, 22, 22. 22. Two years older than us and, you know, the main man of, uh, of the Euros. And that's saying something, to be honest. If he's the main man of the Euros at 22 years of age, please retire at 24 to stop making everyone else look rubbish, mate. Because what, he, are we, what are we doing? Like, that's the thing. He's going to win everything. He's going to, honestly, he's going he's gonna to have won, probably, if they win this, he's won the World Cup and the Euros at the age of 22. Um, Ballon d'Or is just, you know, it's it's going to happen at some time, probably maybe even next season. Um, the Champions League will be missing from his belt. And I'm sure if PSG, you know, don't buck up their ideas, he'll be heading out of the door to win that Champions League um, pretty soon. But... What a player, what a person. And the speed and the acceleration, I've not watched much of him, to be honest, I won't lie. You see him, you see the highlights of him, but I've not really watched much of him in the game because I don't watch French football, but maybe He's I, terrifying. Maybe I should watch French football because the... He, he is him. terrifying, hmm. Lee Quick. He, he is indeed, and I just... I hope England don't have to come up against... I don't think they can come up against them unless it's the final. I don't think... Can I, think can. I think... If we win our group, we play second in Group F. Oh, no. Oh, the yeah. Group... Yeah, they yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll scratch that. We can come up against them pretty soon, to be honest, and I'm terrified. Well, it, it's, so it, is it, it is Group F second place we'd play? Yeah, um, I put down... I did a predictor, all right? I did a predictor, mm. and it, on my predictor, I put Croatia to come second in our group and France to top their group. And my predictor has France versus Croatia. So I think it's their first versus our second. Yeah, it's Group C winner placed third in D, E or F. And we're Group C, aren't we? No, we're Group D. So Group D will play... If we finish second in our group, we'll play second of Group E. If we win our group... We play Group F second place. So basically, one of Portugal, France or Germany. Yes. And I, I lean towards Portugal and Germany. Yeah. Uh, so. France, I think, are going to top their group easily. Um, yeah. I think if Portugal have the same performance against that they did against Hungary, they will be torn apart. Although, I think if Germany play similarly how they were against France, I think Portugal could tear, tear them apart, to be honest. Um mm. I yeah. thought Portugal was so below par. Um, I did not think it was a good game for them at all. Uh, they just didn't really have any attacking threat. You know, defensively, they were a bit shaky. Um, yeah. There wasn't much... Yeah, they still, still come away winning 3-0, which, you know, could benefit them in terms of their placement in the group. Yeah. You know, if it, if it comes down to everyone beats Hungary, it is going to be a question of how many buy. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, one, nil, down. one nil against France, and it's an absolute dream for them to come away with that, personally. Yeah. 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 It was, uh, I think the the game, the next game I'm looking forward to watching, I'm not sure when it is, but it's, I want to watch uh, Portugal versus Germany because that is going to be a massive, massive game. Last game. Is that the last game? Uh, yeah, so it's Portugal, France. So I imagine Germany will match Portugal on those three points. France will go ahead on the six. And then for the last match day, you've got France on six, Portugal and Germany. Then it's basically down to them as to who goes through second or third. Um, possibly not even as third if a few teams finish one more points. So, I mean, you could be saying goodbye to one of the best teams in the tournament at the group stages. Yeah, I mean, everyone was saying before like uh, the France-Germany game kicked off that this is, you know, this should not be a group game. Um, mm. And to be honest, it kind of looked like it should have been with the way Germany performed. On paper, yeah. it, shouldn't have, it shouldn't have been, but in, re- in real life, it kind of was. But that game, Portugal versus Germany, I've got it up here. It's on Saturday. Um, at five o'clock. So that is definitely going to be on my screen. And it's yeah. going to be a great game. Well, who do you think How who do you think will come second in that? Do you think Portugal? I do, yeah. I think Portugal. I think they'll buck their ideas up now, now that they've got this Hungary game. Uh, they'll have been worrying had they not beaten Hungary. It's not the best performance, but at the end of the day, you got three points on the board and you score three goals. And you look at the players in the team as well and you, you can't really deny how good they are. So I I do fancy them to finish above Germany, I think. Yeah, I think, you know, I've said about England, you know, winning when in Percy, I didn't think they played well, is a, is a good start. And Portugal 3-0 win, and I didn't think they performed very well at all, um, is a great mm. start, really. And against a Germany team, which I thought was shocking, I think Portugal really could cause problems for them. But then again... You know, Germany, it was against France. So I think France can make any team look poor. So it'll be interesting to see. It's hard to sort of gauge how they'll do. But what a tournament it has been so far with with some some turns and shocks that you've expected. Yeah. Well, just everything. Turns, shocks, wonder goals, teams that have disappointed, teams that have gone under the radar and you know now we're thinking of because I, I doubt if we'd have had this conversation before the Euro started as to who would win Italy would be like yeah they'll do quarterfinals maybe semi-finals I think they will win I really do think Italy will win the Euros that's kind of I think they'll where get I'm to the final I think they'll get to the final I, I, I don't see them losing I really don't that's the thing I think if they get if they get if they play Belgium, and I think they can play Belgium, if they play Belgium and they have a really, really good game against them, you know, and outperform Belgium and, and they look really strong, then I think they'll win, yeah. I think that France, no disrespect to them, they won the World Cup, so they might have a bit of an ego. I think they might have, in a bad way, in a bad way. That is. Sometimes ego is good, but I think the France, you know, I think they think they're the best team. I think they... Sort of maybe a bit, you know, it's not not being, you know, uh, not going with the typical French person being arrogant. But I think they may be quite arrogant in the way they're going, in, and that can be good in some ways. But I think Port, not Portugal, Italy. I think Italy may use it to their advantage, you know, and they're going to be they're happy to be the underdogs. So they're going out there. There's no real pressure yeah. on them. There is a bit now, but I mean, going up against France, you would think France would have the pressure on them, and that arrogance and the pressure could suit Italy down to the ground, but I think that will be the final. I can't believe I'm saying this already. It's been literally just basically the one game in each group. Um, but 
France, Italy, the final for me. And yeah, they're the two strongest teams. It's just about where their paths lead them. Um, if they are on opposite sides or could be on opposite sides of the tournament, I don't see many other teams from what I've seen so far and what I know beating either of them. So I, I wouldn't need, would not be surprised if that is the final. And I think it will be a great final. Yeah, it's it's it, it's easy to say that now. Although I don't think we would have seen some of the shocks that we've had so far. So anything can happen. Um, I mean. No one expected Turkey to do that bad. I don't think anyone expected that one goal the other day. So if, if the tournament's anything to go by, don't expect, get too confident expect. with that prediction just yet. Because for all we know, everything could change. To be honest, mm. France might not even get out of the group stages. They will. It's possible. They will. It's, they will. But you know, you never know. It's worth. It's worth dreaming. Dream, kids. <laughs> Dream big. But um, but yeah, I think that's a good place to end it with. Italy won two footballs. Nathan doesn't have a say on this. Screw him. Yeah, it, it, we've. Oh, he is now. Italy's uh, Nathan's favourites to win it as well. So it's uh, it's mutual. Nice, I, nice, uh, nice. Italy are gonna win uh, the Euros, but you know who could pip them? England. So come on, England. <laughs>